Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, we are a man down today. Um, however, we are joined, of course, by Mr. David Grant. Dave, how are we today? Uh, good evening, uh, Joe. Good evening, Griff, and good evening, everyone. Uh, glad to be back um, and on British soil again. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to being back on the podcast. Good to have you back, mate. Good to have you back. Um, and we are joined by the man who we can only really refer to as the Toothless Wonder every week because it's just, there's no other way of describing him. Greff, how are we today? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. We're nearly at the weekend, which is usually what we say at this point, but it's always true. So, you know, but, but also, Joe, you don't mess with tradition and Greff's tradition, the Toothless Wonder. Exactly. Couldn't have put it better myself, mate. Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, not as much hockey to discuss as last week, which is a good thing. Um, don't think we're going to be finishing today at three o'clock, which is always pleasant. Um, however, um, the Steelers played their first Challenge Cup game against the Glasgow clan, coming out with a 5-1 victory in Glasgow. Um, the results, however, didn't go their way in the league as much this week. Belfast beat the Steelers 4-2 in Belfast. Uh, with Cardiff getting the full points from their games over the weekend. A 2-1 win against Manchester and a 5-2 win against Dundee. So, big games in relation to the title race there. Um, Dundee beat Guildford 5-4 in a shootout. And Glasgow beat Coventry 3-2 in overtime as well. So, some nice close games over the weekend. Um, what were your highlights, gents? Well, I'm going to go straight away with the... The Brocklehurst fake shot to Valorand that who just slotted it past well one time shot past Killeen over his glove. Even as a neutral fan, that was some beautiful play. You probably see that in like the NHL, but see it in the Elite League, you're like, Okay, yeah, this is you can see the the league's getting better each year, especially with plays like that. There's many um, highlights in the in the Elite League this uh, weekend just gone, but mine um, is in Central Europe in, in Prague um, to get the opportunity to see an NHL and a double IHF Hall of Fame lock-in score twice. One of them, the game winner of Yarmiaga, was something borderline a bucket list moment. Um, and it were not like a simple tapping. It was like he was still playing for the Penguins. Um, it was good uh, for a guy who was approaching 48-year-old. Um, so, yeah, that was my uh, highlight of the week just gone. Disappointed to hear there was a the lack of salute, though, mate. I, I think, in fairness to him, at 48, um, he's doing his saluting. He can just skate around and you know just enjoy the adulation of 14,000 uh, at the O2 in Prague. Yeah, definitely think so in that, in that respect. Um, mine is the goal that surprisingly didn't make it onto the top five plays of the week, um, but was Tanner Eberle's, um fantastic goal against Glasgow uh, in Sheffield on Sunday. Um, digged it around about three players, um, pulled Killeen out to the right and then just slid it through on, on the backhand. A really, really nice goal. Um, and I am I am baffled, to be fair. I, I, th- I thought in terms of a play, uh, I don't know, probably up there with the, the the fake shot by Brocklehurst and the finish by Valorand definitely would have put it above Jonathan Phillips's finish just for the sake of how many players he deked it around. But um, 
a fantastic goal either way. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely urge you to watch it because it is a fantastic finish. I must be honest, having seen the highlights, it was an absolute stellar goal. Um, in the top five picked, you take the Manchester goal that. Sorry, Gref. Um, that was that was an outstanding goal. Uh, the Coventry one was a great team move. Um, has its right within the top five. But uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised uh, to, to see uh, Tanner Bulley's goal not make it. To be fair, I was surprised to see Critchell's goal in the top five. I just thought, oh, it's just a... Uh, or Rish shot that gone high, high over the gloves that Morrison really should have had, but obviously he didn't. I, I would say most a lot of the time I do, it does baffle me that you're getting a lot there seems to be a lot more slap shots and wrist shots in the top plays than I would than I would have said. Like, yeah, okay, if there's been a bit of drought that week, there's not been the best of goals. But this week, I mean there were some great goals. I mean Glasgow scored some great goals against us. Um you know, they were I just think like a slap shot goal you can if it's if you're saying top goals, fine, but it's top plays, and I just don't think you can consider a, a slap shot through the goalie or a wrist shot over the glove necessarily as one of the top plays of the week. I just don't think it's up there. I mean, at the exception, I would say, and this may seem um, like a bit of a Homer comment to make, the exception that I would say would be from the Challenge Cup game. Sheffield v Glasgow would be Tanner Eberle wrist shot or snapshotting it through the netting because um, the second goal for the Steelers about 20-30 seconds into the second period and he, he absolutely sniped it past Killeen but it went through the net which is just something you don't see but even that I wouldn't really consider one of the top plays it just baffles me how many of those kind of slap shots wrist shots you see get make it onto that top five list Almost as if we're trying to fit, fill a quota as to, oh, we've got to get X amount of teams involved in each plays of the week. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Joey Martin went on the list, so I'm not sure the quota thing is right. But I can understand where you're coming from. It kind of feels like let's make sure we involve everyone in the league. And if that's the purpose of plays of the week, then fine, then let's just say that. We're just going to, you know, instead of a top five, we're just going to say five plays across the league we think's good. But as it's how it's stood now, and it's, it's not a, the biggest deal, it's not the be all and end all. Because um, I know a lot of people have been firing that when Sheffield fans on social media have said, why has this goal not made it? If you're going to say it's the top five players and a play is blatantly better than at least one, maybe even two of the players in the top five, yeah, you've got to ask the question, what's the criteria? What's the selection purpose? Who's making the selection? Um, I have an idea who I think it is. Um, and he's neutral to any elite league team um, so I, I, I just I, I wouldn't mind as a fan knowing what that criteria is because I think I, I like the purpose of that players of the week in the series week it does have that advertisement of the league it also helps sponsor you know, it creates that brand on social media which is reached around the world but then again it's you know don't then sell it as a top five when you clearly don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless again, you know, Spain Chicklets going to pick up uh, plays of from the elite league on a regular basis, then you know, fine. Then let's just have five plays on, a, on just any five plays, and let the best ones go to Spain Chicklets. Fair play. 
What do you think about it, Greff? It just, it just baffles me at times. And it's, there's been Steelers goals that I've been surprised have made it on there as well. It's not just a case of thinking that every Steelers goal has to be on there, but I, I just think some of them, you just think, why? Um, certainly, I've seen quite a few that have been like, why on earth is that on there? Mm. That's just a, a simple, it's just like a simple play. It's not even really that good. You probably see it in like, Little kids leagues, normal stuff. You'd, you'd expect to see it, and then we see because I, I have seen the the tunnel really one. I mean, you can't you can't really get away from that on social media at the moment. No, I didn't get included, but that was that should have easily been top three at least. I I'd have yeah. said that. I'd... I'd have said that Eberle goal was in, could have even been in the runnings for top player of the month with with the way that he went through there. So to see just to see it not in the top plays just surprises me. Especially from a guy that's not really known for it. Yeah, not certainly not the deep side. Yeah, yeah, the deep side side because you've got players like Deluca and Valorant that are all for like those nifty plays, but then you see a player like. Eberle, and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. I, surprising, but it'd be interesting to see who's actually coming up with the plays on you know, what the criteria is. Yeah, it certainly would. Um, the next thing that I've got on the agenda, gents, as per, as per the norm, is the airport section. Um, we seem to be getting a little bit less traffic on this one this week. Uh, I don't know whether it's because we're running recorded last week or what it is but happily we only actually have three um and of course when there's a signing made in manchester who else are we going to go to to discuss it than uh, the toothless man himself you know so Greff, who have manchester signed yeah manchester signed a american forward called frankie melton he's five for eight he play, played his first game against up in kirkwadder so that would have been a nice wake up for him, considering he'd been travelling for I think he'd been travelling for about twenty two hours due to missing a flight and then having to change a flight in Chicago and then getting into Manchester, getting a lift up to Gretna and getting on the team bus and all that. But yeah, that was an interesting day for him. He Pretty much almost scored as well. I mean, the five commentators said it was Lee Bonner, and it was like, no, Lee Bonner's playing in the hole. Well, looking at his, his stats-wise, he's done... This season so far, it isn't lucky. He's done great in the East Coast League. Four games, no points. Minus two. But then in the SBHL, 16 games, 12 points, eight goals, four assists. Not too bad. And then the season before that, you had him playing in the NCAA for Ferris State Uni. 29 games, 12 points. For a top NCAA league, I'd say that was pretty decent for him. Looking at some of the plays that he's done, it looks pretty decent. I mean, he played pretty decent against Fife, even when he's severely jet-lagged. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to be like. I uh, I look at the stats 
and I appreciate Satsun painting the full picture, but this is a baffling signing, if I'm honest. Um, I'm, I'm going to be on the generous side. I'm going to assume that Ryan has done his research. He's he's dug deep. He's asked questions. He spoke to coaches and and <clears throat> has seen something that's warranted to take a punt on him to help Manchester try and make the playoffs. Um, because you know, you look at the range of signings throughout the leagues so far this season. You can look at players and go, "Yep, pedigree. Yep, he's got this. He's got something about him within his resume to go. I can see why they've signed it." And I just don't see that. Um, with Frankie. However, we've seen, we've spoke many times on this podcast where we've all gone, you know, looked at the resume and gone, not sure. And they've turned out to be decent players. So resumes don't paint the whole picture. But for me, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure. I, I you know, hope I'm wrong for, from a Manchester perspective, but I don't know. I, I just don't see why they've signed him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Dave. It doesn't seem statistically to add much to the roster. Um, and the first thing that I'll say, and I'll front load it with this, as you said already, we're not always right on this. Um, case of point, about four weeks ago, we said we didn't see what Ricard Palmberg added to the roster of Belfast. And in 10 games, he's put up 11 points, six of those being goals. Um, however, this just seems next level underwhelming. Um, and yeah, maybe based more on video, maybe based more on, on what you can see from his potential. Obviously, we don't get that from looking at his stats. Gref, yeah, you'll, have, you'll have seen a bit of him in that in the Fife game. I, I, I don't know. I just think, as a whole, doesn't appear to add any value to that roster. But 22 years old, we said before, 22 years old, coming played season in the NCAA, Probably not where when he when he was thinking about his career. Probably not where he thought it was going to pan out to be at 22 years old playing in the British League. So maybe it gives him a bit of a kick. Maybe he's got something to prove. Um, and I, I always say the underwhelming ones of the ones without the pressure on the back. This isn't a guy that's coming in and it, people are expecting him to put up 20, 30 points. So you know maybe the fact that he can slip under the radar a little bit gives him that bit of benefit. You know don't. We're only going to see it over time, you know. As I say, we're we're, we're just about in the midpoint of the season, give or take. And um, you know, the only thing is adding him into that roster with a team that's played for half a season as well now. How's he gonna How's he gonna fit in? He's a young kid, uh, you know. He's coming over to Britain. Yeah, I, it's not much he can say. He's definitely a wait and see signing, and we, I know we say that a fair bit at the moment, but. There's not really much more you can say. Um, his stats really don't tell you anything. Um, the next that I have on my list is a change in Glasgow, Dave. Yes, it would appear that uh, Zach Fitzgerald has gone to IKEA uh, to do his uh, shopping as he has recruited Marcus Jonsson, um, who signed from uh, Tega uh, in Division 1. Uh, of Swiss, uh, Switzerland, no, Sweden even, my apologies. Um, so I'm assuming the third tier of Sweden. Uh, interesting signing on the concept of he has a lot of experience as leadership. He's been seasoned for uh, Björkloven uh, as an assistant. He's over 400 games in the Allsvenska. <clears throat> excuse me, 39 and 38, 77 points. Uh, minus 45, which for a guy who's played over 400 games in the Allsvenska, you know, 
shows he's actually his defensive plays pretty decent. Um, now, Glasgow have had a, a fair few injuries. Um, not the worst team for injuries this season, but injuries nonetheless. So not only is it an additional body, and I think it's going to make a difference. I, I generally think he's going to give him a little bit of um, the depth. Uh, if you look at his, um, you know, his elite prospect uh, kind of uh, bio, is this is strong winger, great work ethic and attitude. The type of play, the type of characteristics that Zach Fitzgerald had himself as a player, and you look at their roster, has within that roster. So I see him being able to fit in well in Glasgow um, and, and doing well and maybe giving that boost to uh, solidify the playoff spot and, uh, you know, bearing, bearing a freak result um, in terms of the second leg of the Challenge Cup uh, to give a, a bit of a tilt for the playoff title. Yeah, after watching him last night in the, the free sport game against you guys, it was, he had some pretty good attempts. I mean, he looked like he was in the play for quite a bit of it and almost scored a few times. Juba just being Juba and pretty, being pretty decent, as he has been for you guys, but which for most of the season. Looking at stats live, 433 games in the Alcantara. You don't really play that many games if you're naturally at a decent level of playing. For me, when I first saw him, I thought, hmm, he's not really scoring many. I mean, he's looking at the stats wise, he's, so far it looks like he's never actually scored over into double figures. He's only got into double figures for assists a few times, but it shows what kind of a team player he is. When you watched him, he was always up in the play, always got back straight away. And he's like to throw his body about. I mean, not as much as Springer in that game, but that'll be a, a talk for another story. No, Springer liked to throw his knee about in that game because I'm sure that was a knee on Aaron Johnson. Yeah, not Aaron Johnson. Um, in the first period, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. that as well. It looked like he led in with his knee. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I... This guy looks to be a decent addition to Glasgow's roster. I mean, his stats paint a bit more of a picture. Um, to be fair, Glasgow aren't a team lacking in goals. Uh, I mean, they're fourth in the league in goal scoring, 110 goals scored across 34 games. Um, so they're not necessarily needing a top goal scorer. You look at their last two games, and I mean, even just look at their last two games against Sheffield. Um, you know they played today against Nottingham they were up 2-1 they've lost the game 3-2 in overtime they played yesterday against Sheffield they were it was 1-1 yes Sheffield came in a little bit more but you know they were holding out the game until the last 20 minutes where they just collapsed you know they could have easily kept that game at a couple of goals but towards the end they just fell apart in Sheffield on the Sunday again relatively close game and then towards the end just start to drop off it's just one of those things I I wonder if a player that's you know as Dave says his bio comments a lot about the fact that he he plays with great work ethic attitude intensive game four checks hard 
plays with grit. Maybe this is the kind of guy that Glasgow need to give him that push and to give him that energy in the last 10 minutes of a game to not just completely drop off and, and concede another two or three. Maybe this is the guy that's going to kind of be the workhouse and, you know, look at look at Lucas Sandstrom for, for the Steelers. He came in and, you know, statistically wasn't the best player. And yes, he had a bit of a slow start in terms of point production, but the guy never stopped skating and that gives the rest of his line some energy. And that, that gives, you know, when you've got a third liner that's just skating and skating and skating, it, it gives the rest of the team a bit of that boost. Um, I agree with you, Gref. I mean, I noticed him a couple of times in that game. You know, yes, first game in Glasgow, you know, it's going to take a bit to settle in, but he certainly didn't look to be doing a bad job. Um, Stat-wise... As you say, not massively impressive in points, but you know, not every player is. You you look at one of the best, in fact, one of the best Swedish players that I think we've we've seen in Sheffield. One of the best Swedish players that we saw was was um, Frederick Vestberg, and he didn't put he didn't put the points up on the on on the board. In fact, he put that that few points up on the board that I'm sure if he had an empty net, he'd have missed nine times out of ten. But he was still one of the most important players on that roster. So you never know. He's he's won the A for the last few years in Sweden. Al Svenskan's quite a quick league, um, so you know you'd hope he's got a bit of pace to his game as well. Um, yeah, let's see how he gets on. But um, certainly looks to be a good addition to a Glasgow team that have kind of dropped off a little bit recently. Uh, the last change that we've got in the airport section is for the Steelers. Um, and that is Eric Meland, uh, to a lot of disappointment for a lot of Steelers fans. Um, Meland was brought in as the swing guy. Um, the correct swing guy, not the wrong swing guy, <laughs> as, uh, as Andy got. Um, but he was brought in as that swing guy. He was brought in as a guy that could play forward, he could play in D. Due to injuries, probably spent 90% of the season in D. I think probably got a little bit excited when Aaron Johnson came back, so he could move back to his role as a forward and then two games afterwards, found himself back playing defence again. Um, you said to me at the start of the season, Dave, that I'd that I really like the way that Melon plays. And the guy the guy has been our, our saving grace in a lot of games. Um, as a guy who plays forward and defence, you know, he's, he's contributed in both aspects. I mean, 35 games for the Steelers, 18 points. Fair enough. Not the best statistically, Plus minus plus thirteen for a guy who's been playing in in defence quite consistently across the season. That, that is, and I, I know that the Steelers have done a decent job in scoring this season, but that's still a good start. Um, but I think the the part that surprises me the most is, is the reason apparently that Meland is leaving, and, and according to the interview with Aaron Fox. Um, the Steelers had Aaron Johnson return to the ice on Wednesday. Um, you look confused. Sorry, no, so gone. Um, Aaron Johnson returned to the ice on Wednesday. Um, James Bertow was apparently very close to returning. Um, you know, and, and apparently Melan went into the office with Fox and said, "I know you're going to have to, you're going to have three spare imports. You're not going to carry three, and you're going to need to get rid of somebody. I want to take that job away from you." Um, He's been admitted to dentistry school, I think they said, in in the autumn. Yeah. And uh, he basically said he can get ahead of the game. Some things he can do in spring. Um, he, he's nursing a few injuries, I think. I think um, 
Fox said knee, wrist and shoulder. But he's nursing a few injuries. And, um, yeah, he's basically said he'd go home. Said that he'd be willing to fly back to Sheffield if we needed him. I, I just uh, to me, just in that alone, just the epitome of of the kind of, the kind of guy that you want on your team. Just just the uh, what a team player in that respect. Yeah, you can't fault um, that type of attitude. I remember the conversation I had with you because you missed the first preseason game. You was watching Ed Sheeran, I think. Remember, says right, yeah, right round um, eight. Yeah, and I just saw a lot in Melon. I'm thinking, do you know what? This guy's going to be so such a steady influence at the back. Um, but it showed he actually was a steady influence in any position he played. Um, and I think he did everyone apart from going goal. Um, I won't be surprised in the translation, he probably did, the type of person he is. Um, and then obviously, you know, he he saw the situation, knowing, knowing what he was going to be doing. Um, he, he put his teammates first. And, and anybody who plays any sports whether it was in the team environment. And you've got a guy who puts the team, the the group first before your own individual needs and desires. They're gold dust. They're the type of people you want around 24-7. Um, and so that just shows, you know, the quality of the signing. Never mind the play. For me, the quality of the signing is just the type of person where who he'd do whatever it took and whatever it needed for the benefit of the team. Um also, fair play to him, he's kept on the books, so that should we have an injury problem after the transfer deadline, he can still come back and play. Um, so we're not losing him completely per se. Um, yeah, it's going to be a miss to the Steelers. Um, I've certainly enjoyed watching him, and I know in fairness when we spoke, Gref, um, you also passed comment a number of times on just how, how not not the top player, but a player that every team needs, every team to be successful, needs that style of play. Certainly, I mean, when you got a player that can obviously go on the attack, but then come back straight away and defend, and then obviously you get injuries, he'll play wherever, wherever, he, wherever Fox told him to play, he went and played it and played it pretty well. I mean, I'm probably. Not going to be surprised if he's not going to be on the plane within like a week or so. If depending on how long Deluca is going to be out for after that nasty collision yesterday, I mean, even I wouldn't stop that considering how his legs just splint. It was like no. I think most guys just went with just looking out with a nope, 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 don't do that, shouldn't do that. But then going back into Melon, I mean. He didn't get the most points, but he was all-around team player, which shows. I mean, he gained a little bit more respect for me for how he's actually just said, "Yeah, I'll sacrifice myself for my teammates." I mean, for all fair play to him. Anyone that originally plays team sport would they'll game they'll give him respect for that. Yeah, I, the thing that disappoints me with it is the way that we kind of, the way that he was, we gave him the send-off. I mean, when Kuka left, it was special announcement at the end of the game. Everybody, you know, he, he skated around, he gave an applause to everybody. You know, he, he, we were able, to, as, as cheesy as it sounds, we were able to thank him for his contribution to the club. And Kuka, when Kuka and Tronchinski were brought in together, those two really, really brought a spark of life to the club. 
Um, but I don't think there's many people on that roster that have done as much for the club this season as Melan has on the ice. And nobody knew. I, 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 was, I was stood in the stands and he, he got man of the match and it was kind of one of those where you kind of stopped and thought, really? Man, do you know, man of the match in this game? Like, he's, I think, you know, there were a couple of goal scorers that popped in a couple. There were a few people that you could have picked, but Meland wouldn't have been up there in that game. And you kind of thought, oh, OK. And then he did his eddy, where he basically skated around, did his usual weird squat crouch thing by the bench that if you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then, as they were skating around at the end of the game, two players picked him up and carried him all the way round which again was a bit of a weird one. And then as he went off, just finally, just to, just to cap it all off as one to make everybody wonder what the hell was going on, they gave him a guard of honour. And nothing was said. No, but there was no... You know, They didn't say, oh, this is Eric's last game. They didn't say anything like that, or this is what's happening. Everybody was just stood in the stands going, oh, OK, what, what's going on there then? And then five minutes later, as everybody was leaving, there was a tweet from the Steelers saying, oh, Eric Mellon's leaving. I just thought after everything he'd done and they've put out to say it was a sporting decision just in case we ran into injuries before Wednesday's game and all this kind of stuff. But I, I, I just didn't particularly like that part. I thought he deserved a better send-off from the fans. I suppose, and again, I didn't see the whole build-up and I, I, my take on this is purely from the social media that what was, was posted um, afterwards and then there was the decision... The only thing I can think of is that Mellon didn't want the fuss um, in terms of what Kuka rightfully deserved. Is he, you know, as, as impacts go, Kuka's was immense. Um, so maybe Mellon didn't want that type of fuss. Maybe he just wanted to say thank you, goodbye. He did. He did the way as you just said, um, and then the players, you know, gave him that that team send off. Um, a, bit, a bit very similar to Rod Saric. Uh, when he first left, um, didn't announce anything because uh, he knew Le Guin Hewitt was retiring or finishing at the end of that season. Mm. Um, though, thankfully, Saric got the send-off he deserved um, in his last game uh, when we beat Salzburg. So, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, in fairness, probably demonstrate the type of person he is if that's what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it, may, it makes sense. I saw a few people suggest that, and I thought, yeah, fair enough if that's the case. Um, here's the one question for you. He said that he'd jump on a plane if we needed him for injury issues. Do you fly him back for the playoff build-up? Yes, 100%. If he's able to, if he's able to heal up, because obviously the announcement that he had, he's had a few injuries, if we could have as a spare input and is able to do some of the work that um, will allow him to do or jumpstart his new career in, in the winter or whenever it starts. But if we could do that on online, um, get him over here two weeks before the, start, before the end of the season, get him back skating. I know he said he's going to still skate whilst back home. Yeah. Get him back in the team environment. You know, Do whatever it takes just in case. Um, someone goes down with illness um, or an injury. You know, Sheffield's had one or two injuries this year. Yeah, we actually had a doubt. You know, give him six weeks back home and then say, right, we'll make it worth your while to come back 
and be part of the system, be part of the setup. You know, whatever it takes. Definitely. Yeah, fully, I, I fully agree with that. Um, in the Glasgow game yesterday, they asked Fox um, whether or not he'd gone home, obviously in relation to the DeLuca injury, and then they said, oh, has Melon gone home yet? And and Fox was, in in his very character, obviously doesn't give a great deal of information, but all he said was, no, Eric's not gone home yet. So always a possibility, I guess, to fill in for DeLuca. If I'm honest... I suspect our new swing guy is going to be James Betauer because he has played defence and forward. Um, if he's coming back into the roster, then I suspect your DeLuca replacement comes through Betauer. And I would expect Eberle to move up from that third line onto first and then Betauer to slot into that third line. Um, but, yeah. you know, we'll see. I, I, if I'm honest, I would, I'd be expecting... I mean, we've got, what, two players to sit out now. DeLuca's going to be out with injury. I'd, I'd expect the second man to be sat out against Cardiff is to be Cola Minen, um and then put Betauer in as a replacement for DeLuca. Interesting times ahead. Interesting times ahead. Very, very true. Um, speaking of interesting times ahead, um, good segue there, Dave, completely unintentionally. Um, You're very welcome. <laughs> wrong podcast, mate. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, we've obviously got the Olympic qualifiers coming up in Nottingham on the 6th to the 9th of Feb. Um, Pete Russell has announced his squad. And I know this was, I think, Dave, you put this forward as something for us to discuss. So I'm going to throw it over to you for this one. I thought you would, but not a problem, sir. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, 6th to the 9th, uh, Great Britain start there. Um, Olympic campaign um, a lot better chance of making it through to the final round um, than four years ago where it was a bit of a car crash in Italy truth be told um, so go through the roster and go through how the, the Olympic qualifiers work so the goal is as predicted Ben Baums and Jackson Whistle when I said predicted everyone would have, if you ask people who you go with defence throws up a couple of interesting picks one and this is my own take, is I don't know how he's in. One, I won't expect him, but they both have the same surname. So, uh, we'll go with them. <laughs> Dallas Earhart and his brother Travis uh, Glasgow have been selected. Josh Batch, uh, if I'm honest, has done well over the last couple of years uh, to make a sort. Uh, Steve Lee from Guildford, Ben O'Connor, Dave Phillips uh, from Sheffield, Mark Richardson from Cardiff, Paul Swindlehurst um, is the defensive uh, unit there. And then forwards, Ollie Betteridge, Brendan Connolly, Scott Conway of the Atlanta Gladiators, whose father played for Basingstoke in the 90s. A bit of a legend as well, remember serves right. Um, Will christen him Sir Ben Davies. Um, he's in the roster. Robert Farmer and Mike Hammond from um, Lausitza are in. Luke Ferrara, uh, as well as in the, 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 um, the roster. Ben Lake, Matthew Myers, uh, Ross Venus, and I'm guessing here the captain, um, of the team will be Jonathan Phillips. Uh, there's your team to take on Romania, Estonia and Hungary. And just a quick brief before we go about it, the winner of this group will go on to the next stage. Now, in like football, where it's, you win this group, you go there, it's based on seeding. So whoever's the highest ranked seed will go into this group and then so on and so forth. If seeding goes according to plan, theoretically GB should go to a group that will be held in Slovakia. 
Um, that will be in August time, I think. Um, I think it's around the bank holiday weekend time of year. Um, and then it's win that group, and then you book your ticket to Beijing. Um, now, that would be an amazing achievement, um, just to see if the, if the GBT met the goal. But uh, I think this, if compared to four years ago, um, you know, you look at the teams GB are playing and competing with now, I expect them to be comfortably remaining in Estonia. I expect them to be challenged against Hungary, but I do expect them to beat them. So I expect GB to make it through to that final qualifying round. Um, but uh, I'll ask you guys, um, and I'll start with Gref. Is that a roster that you'd um, that you'd have picked? Or was any would there be any changes that you'd make to that roster? If so, who would you've put in instead of? Oh well, <laughs> even though it's because it's only like three games, I is it looking stats wise, he's having a pretty good season. But I wouldn't have put Scott Conway in there just for the fact. He's playing in the States at the moment. So then when you take into that jet lag and he's not really played any hockey in the UK since 2009 when he was a junior, before he moved over to back over to the States with his dad, I wouldn't have probably picked him. I would have probably, I mean, we've, I've mentioned this to you, yourself in a, a chat that we were in. I would have picked, like, Duggan or... Uh, Maybe doubt well not doubt obviously because he's injured. But I would probably yeah probably put put Duggan in the the mix. He he knows this league, he knows that rink very well, and he won't really be any like jet lag or anything. So I would probably put Duggan into the Conway and then put Conway in for the well the lead up to the the world. Although I am looking forward to a possible trip back to Slovakia. That's always a good thing. That, Can that, make up some more words. Yeah, that's a, that's a story for another opportunity. But uh, Joe, um, I, we, we chatted before the podcast and the name that we both said straight away um, was Dallas Earhart. Um Domestically, from our perspective, and I say our perspective, obviously we're not, um, and I'm not saying this negatively, a Manchester fan, uh, so you see more. Um, but from what we see, I'm not sure how he makes the roster. I mean, I'm not sure how he makes the roster. I'm not sure how he wears the C in, in Manchester, but I'm racking my brain to see who I'd replace him with, and I can't come up with any solid name. Um, and that kind of gets to the point for me where I wonder if he's in that roster for experience sake, longevity's sake. Um, you know, he's played with the team. You know, they're going to have that. He's going to have that chemistry with certain players in that defensive core. Um, you know, he's got the experience of playing in, in the Elite League. He's got the experience of playing for Team GB. It's the only thing I can think, really. I mean... I, I said to you before, Dave, I, mean, I said to you both actually before, um, the one name that would have come up for me last season would have been Josh Tetlow as a possible younger player to bring into that roster. Um, I mean, he spent the majority of the season playing in Peterborough, so I wouldn't necessarily have put him forward for that. I don't know who else I'd have gone. I really don't. Um yeah, I, I honestly can't think of anybody. The, the only name I could think of, 
Uh, and I had to even do some research to see who he was. I, I, at first, I thought he was maybe too old, but he's actually not. Uh, would be Jez Dean in Guildford. Not a bad shout. But then the, the argument you put about the longevity, you know, the longevity he's been in the roster for two years. He knows the players. He knows his lines and everything. And he's, he's been part of that successive bubble uh, of, of Team GB, making it to the World Champs. It's... Yeah, I'm with you. Kind of the it's who would you've gone with? Um, I suppose even though on the outside looking, it's a it's a tournament that GB should win. They are the highest ranked of the four, um, but it would not want to, you know, trial players for the world champs in Switzerland. And um, I want to pick on a point that Greff said about not having Conway. And I'm going to ask us throw this as a question to to obviously to Greff and us. So you're Pete Russell. And you're offered a player who qualifies, who started the season in the AHL. Do you take him yes or no? Yes. More than that, so yeah. And I think I'm, I'm the same. And I think you know Scott Conway started at the, is it the provincial or Providence Bruins? Um, Twelve games there. Um, I'm, I'm with you in the terms of mentioning how he works with the jet lag and everything. Um, unless he comes in early um, with Atlanta's permission to, to get his legs going, um, I don't know. Um, that will be something to to be seen as an interesting point. But I, to have a team at the GB roster with two people with AHL experience is interesting. It's never, I, don't, I can't remember last time we've had that much high league experience in, in the GB roster. So it's... Um, yeah... I think it's something that will be. Let's wait and see. Yeah, what's the stance on um, Evan Moses' injury now? How how far how close is he to recovery? Because he he can't be far off. Or was he th- talking? Was he talking most of the season? I think it was most of the season. I think maybe the latter end of March. So he'll probably use April. Um, probably he'll probably start skating Feb, maybe late Feb. Coming for the postseason for Cardiff. May make the postseason. May not. Um, but at least we've got some skating under his belt to to get back to some form of fitness. I know he's been working on his fitness. Uh, when you see some of the Cardiff Devils uh, Instagram vids, um, they you know they, they do mention his recovery a fair bit, which you know fair play to. Um, and he'll be a player that will, if he can be fit and ready to play. Yes, we'll have no many games under his belt this season, but we're one that we'll certainly need for the world champs in Switzerland. And same with Robert Dowd. If somehow Bile was able to uh, um, get back playing or get back skating with enough skating under his belt to, to to prove everything's right, even if he's third, fourth line, you know, that'd be vital uh, for, the, for the team uh, come May time. Yeah. I wonder if we'll have another farmer moment so in the last game of the tournament is against Hungary. Possibly. As much as as much I, as I don't, I'd I love don't, to go through I, it again I, just I, for what the ending. I know there's one person who will, I think, will make sure her handbag is nowhere near any of us. Um, with four pints being poured in via people jumping up and down after that farmer goal. Um, but who knows? Survived. It, it, it survived. But you know, it, these tournaments, it. it, it allows people to put their hands up and say, I want to be that man. You know, Farmer in Budapest, Phillips and Davies in, in Slovakia, 
Um, and also, you know, when you mention the Olympic qualifiers, as that kind of romance about, you know, it's like the Jamaica story in Cool Runnings, it's, you know, to be part of the Olympics. And as much as GB one of the few nations with an Olympic gold medal, how good would it be to see them on like, the Olympic Games in 2022? I'd be... That'd probably be better than staying in the World Champs pool, eh? Just the amount of coverage that we'll get. It's not going to be just on free sports. It's going to be on, like, BBC. Yeah. Finally, we'll actually have hockey on the BBC where it's actually G- Team GB. Not a bad point. One one other player I'll throw out, and I might have missed something here as to why he's not, but no Liam Kirk on that roster. Is he opting to stay and play for Peterborough, or is that...? From the gist that I made between the lines of what you read on social media, um, he did that for the under-20s. I think it would have been his last year playing under-20s, and he's had, he had a good start to his season um, in Peterborough. So I'm wondering, because of the... You're missing a week. It's that opportunity where um, he, he wants to finish the season. So by the time people's season finishes, he'll be able to come over to join the training camp uh, for Switzerland. So I, was like, I expect him to be in the roster Yeah. Uh, for that. Um, because it's, I think it's his last year he qualifies as a junior. So yeah. it's kind of make or break for him to to either get a pro contract to HL East Coast and then make your way to HL or for Arizona to... Take a punt and offer him a contract. Um, he's certainly doing himself the best of favours. I was going to say thirty-nine points from thirty-seven games this season, he's, and an assistant captain. He's certainly improved his output last year. I mean, obviously last year was the the better in year, um, and he's certainly showing the, his talents. and And Peterborough love him. In fairness, um, he's certainly one of the the players amongst the talent that they've got at their disposal that they do rave about. Um, I must admit, to think about of names missing. I'm, I'm, I suppose you could probably mix Conway. I think with Griffiths about with, with Sam Duggan, um, but there's a few guys on there that are having decent seasons. Seasons, my apologies, that earn the right. You know, you look at Connolly, who missed that last year with a broken leg. Uh, Venus. Yeah, thanks for that, Brett Bulmer. Yeah, um, you know. They're having seasons where they've earned the right. You know, you're not looking at this roster and going, apart from the one we've discussed, we go, I'm not sure. They're, they're, in fairness, it's a roster that's earned it and playing play in form. Um, and also being away from the club element, you know, it's the chance to wear the, the red, white, and blue. It brings out the best in players. You know, hopefully, you know, Ben Bounds can pull off equally as heroic saves like they did in. in in Kashitsa, uh, hope we don't hope he doesn't need to, but you know, he enjoys wearing the uh, the GB jersey. So, who knows? It's going to be a good weekend, I believe, that the tournament's on free sport. There's no, I've not seen it confirmed anyway, but I believe it's going to be on free sport. Um, and if you can make it, head down and uh, and watch the uh, Olympic qualifier start. I'd expect them to be on free sports as well. They've not said anything yet, but I'd I'd be surprised if he wasn't. If I, I do because they've inve- they they really do invest in the GB program. Yeah. Uh, in terms of TV uh, color play, I know the BBC do invest in terms of the audio and uh, and other coverage, but actual on the on the box, FreeSpot does invest in the the GB program very well. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it's got to be said as well, just while we're mentioning players that, that are in the roster, you say about Brendan Connolly and the season that he's having. Uh, Mike Hammond, 52 points in 36 games in the DEL2 right now. Yeah. Um, and Rob Farmer's having a good year for a Brit abroad um, in the same team, so yeah. Yeah. It's definitely looking good with the way it's composed. Obviously, there's certain things that we're interested to see how it goes. Conway being one. Um yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, the next thing, unless anybody's got anything else to add on GB, um, I suspect Dave won't want to because the next thing that I have on my agenda is, of course, Dave's. Um, the moment that, that gets him through the week is is talking to everybody about uh, the Champions Hockey League. Uh, so, Dave, off off you go. Um, thank you, Joe. Uh, no and yeah, it gets me through the week. Um, We'll, we'll do it as a European special. Obviously, last week was also the final of the, the Conti Cup, but we'll start the CHL. Um, now, I'm going to have to ask your gents to pick your brains and, and who we predicted to make the final. Um, I think we all kind of predicted Mountford, or did one predict Deer Garden? I think Andy predicted Deer Garden off the top of my head. Uh, and how many predicted for London to make the final? I believe we all did. I said I could see Lulia, but I said I, I wouldn't put money on anybody but for London. Well, if, you, if you're guessing, if you're listening, I've mentioned them two teams, they will be contesting the sixth Champions Hockey League final on the 4th of February for London's fifth CHL final out of six. Um, Mountfield, uh, in front of a, a decent attendance uh, at home, uh, beat Diagarden 3-0. And Lulia just... I think the way to describe their CHL campaign is they just don't know when they're beaten. Uh, the third knockout game on the track where they've had to come from behind and beat Lulia 3-1. Um, I say interesting for Mountfield, there's a team that three years ago didn't want to be in the competition when they lost to Nottingham. Um, you know, fair play, the Czech team losing to the Brits, I won't want to be in the competition, but uh, they host the final. Um and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a good spectacle uh, as finals go. It's going to be nice. That it's out of um, Scandinavia. This is this is the first one that's going to be out of Scandinavia. So it'd be good to see just a different manner of of how the all pans out. Uh, but I want to talk before we go on to Conic for Lunda. Now we've mentioned this team on this podcast many times as one that we admire to watch, we enjoy to watch. But a team from a country that Everyone in the UK says Sweden don't care about the CHL, so why should we to have a to have a record of final appearances, not tournament final appearances, is outstanding, and it is a testament to what Frölunda bring as a club side to to European hockey. You say that like Sweden don't care about the NHL. Uh, sorry, Sweden don't care, don't care about the CHL. Can you tell I've got the NHL on the TV? Um, you, you say that Sweden don't care about the CHL. You not get the feeling that almost for Frölunda now the CHL is more of a formality than anything else. It's just that kind of that scouts badge to add to the to add to the um, to add to the collection. It's almost just that kind of like oh yeah, you know we'll we'll just play the season. We'll yeah we'll win the CHL again and we'll just you know we'll go from there. It is almost just like it is that. It is expected now, and it, it, it's bad to say. When you don't like to say that teams expect to win silverware, but it is expected now. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think anybody would go out at the start of any CHL campaign and put money on anybody realistically 
or at least expect anybody but for London to be picking that silverware up at the end of the season? I think the difference maker for me was last year when they held it at the Scandinavian. Mm. Because they have all their games. So, Frölunda um, have two venues. Uh, the Scandinavian, which is their main where they play all the SHL games. And they have the Frölundaborg. A throwaway rink is how they describe it. Six and a half thousand uh, mod cons and what they use for their training facilities. The, the concourse is actually a, a running track um, that they use to warm up. And they have a the main pad. They have a third of a pad on the other side of the rink to practice for the netminders and power play. Um, so they a, have their own surgery theatre inside as well. They have um, uh, like a sports complex. So they have a swimming pool um, that has X amount of cameras within the water to see knee movement, leg movement, to spot surgery before the players do, if that makes sense. So if there's any anomalies, they can pick it up. And even teams like uh, football teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid with their um, resources have actually gone and done a scouting recce of the Frölunda uh, complex to see if they can pick up anything that they can take to their teams. And obviously they have a lot more money invested in their players. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, so they had the final in the Scandinavian and it sold out within 30 minutes. And that's a 13,000-seater. So I think from their perspective, the attitude change. But it, yeah, like I say, it's that consistency. You kind of go the new CHL season. Um, yeah, for London, the final. Interesting. And I'd have to go back and double-check this. I think it's the first final where both teams were in this from the same group. Um, obviously, Mountfield and uh, for London knocked out um, Graz and the Cardiff Devils um, in the group stage. Um and it weren't all, and obviously, it weren't a, a guarantee that Fulunda was getting out of the group stage. Um, so, so maybe the two pieces gave Cardiff just reignited that fire and, and kind of got them um, going on to, to do what they do on a regular basis and met the CHL final. And hopefully win the CHL final because I'm sure that's what most of them want anyway. I mean, I know myself and you will, Dave. Probably Joel now, and not last year when he wanted someone else to try and win it. But you know, Munich. Yeah, I wanted Munich. Out, but uh, it's good to see that Mountfield actually want to play in at this time. Nice change, but you know, this is what brings success. Success changes your mentality. Uh, it does, and then it's kind of the, 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 the regular of the Scandinavian teams in the final. I know Sparta Prague were the first non-Scandinavians to make the final when they lost to Frölunda three seasons ago, I wouldn't want to say. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be on Free Sport or Premier Sport um, uh, the 4th of February, 1-6. Um, and I suspect Mountfield may sell out um, the building and... Uh, I, I think it's going to be a spectacle. I'm going to put you two guys on the spot here now. Who do you think is going to win the CHL final? Frölunda. Yeah, you know, again, you're not going to put money on anybody but Frölunda, right? It's got to be Frölunda. They could, they could be four, they could be four goals down, and it could be Frölunda. See, that's my logic. And we said, you know, they just don't know when they're beaten, but 
I've got a like, feeling that Mountfield may lift it. Because against every concept that you think and every logic that you apply. But I've just a nagging feeling that Mountfield may lift it. It'd be nice to see. It'd be nice to see, and I'm glad for a start that we're not seeing a, a Sweden v Sweden final. It's not. I'm glad that it's. A, I'm glad that it's Sweden versus Czech final. I think that's. I think that's good. I think. I think it's great when there's two different countries in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like last year's for London Red Bull Munich was a good. It were good clashes of. Um, the two cultures, um, for want of a better phrase, uh, and and that's what the, the, the CHL brings um, to it. So, yeah, uh, fourth of Feb uh, will be the end of season six of the CHL, and then we move on with a slight tie to the CHL. The Continental Cup final was last week, um, a historical one uh, for the Danish side Sondersiki, who um, against all of our predictions. Um, went on to win the Continental Cup, the first Danish side ever to win the trophy, um, and has a spot in next year's CHL. So Denmark will have two teams. Um, so they uh, they beat Nottingham in a shootout of game one. Um, they beat Grodno in overtime in game two, and then beat Krakow uh, 3-1. Now Nottingham, um, unlucky in that respect, they, uh, they lost, as we mentioned in the shootout, they beat Krakow 4-3 who were 3-0 down, and the game winner was 4.3 seconds left in the game because Krakow pulled the goal to try and get three points and make a fist of it. And then they beat Grodno in regulation, which I think, in fairness, is a good result for him. Um, Grodno's an ex- experienced team, full of talent, CHL experience, um, and finished second. Uh, so they got a silver medal. Um, I think it's the second team to pick the silver medal. The London Knights were the first and only team. Uh, back in 2001, I think they were denied against Munich. No goal difference. Um, so, you know, fair play to the Panthers. Um, but wasn't to me. Britain will only have one spot in the CHL because of their inability to win it. Um, but uh, on, a, on, a ser- on a serious point, um, it's, it's, you know, seeing British teams do well in these competitions, um, and I'll throw it to, to, to you all, I think, I think it's good and I think it demonstrates just how the British game is actually improving. Did you say the second team to win the silver medal? I think they're the second team to win the silver medal. Who, was, said, the, who was the first? I think the first was the London Knights. Remember, says right, 2001, they were they were denied winning the Continental Cup on goal difference, and I think it was against Munich. So did their third team to win the silver medal then? You're correct, because Belfast did it last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe's not going to be happy with you. Oh, uh, well, you know, it gives us something else to whinge about. I don't. So we'll, we'll give you that to be fair because um, obviously they they came second but went on to the CHL so that's the that's the point of confusion isn't it it's, it that feels ex- more as exactly, if that is exactly where my, my thought process was going thank well, you Joe well, no problem mate I thought I thought I'd come in until you were wrong <laughs> and then and then kind of back you up afterwards mate you know <laughs> Cheers, I have to admit though I can't remember what question you asked. Um, the demonstration of the British teams doing well in these competitions shows uh, a demonstration that the British game, not just our domestic product, but also on the international stage, whether club or internationally, is, is improving and uh, on upward trends. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think it shows that more and more British teams and 
probably by proxy more and more British fans are taking the European tournament seriously. Um, God knows when we were in the CHL a couple of years in a row, we were just getting, oh, what's the point in the CHL? Oh, everybody laughing, but then there's no... Sorry, this is just taking me really by surprise. I've got a Penguins game on. They've just scored 24 seconds into the game um, against Boston, so I couldn't be happier right now. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the first couple of seasons that we were in the CHL, it was it was a lot of, oh, what's the point in taking part? There was a lot of fans giving us grief because they didn't really understand the level of the hockey, and it was just, ah, everybody laugh at Sheffield, they're losing to Frölunda. And now you kind of take a step back and go, yeah, how do you feel about that now? Um, and now you have the fans in the CHL saying, oh, everybody's laughing at us because we're losing in the CHL, but you're not there. And you go, yeah, but you were laughing at us. Yeah, I remember when we lost to Salzburg and, and Cardiff. Uh, Cardiff fans in particular really was rinsing us. Uh, and then they lost to Davos 10-1. And they're like, you can't say anything. You're not here, Mike. Remember what your guys were doing. You know, remember what your fans were doing when we lost to Salzburg? Yeah. Um, which is why there was no shame when, when Frölunda gave him an absolute spanking. There's no shame in that because they are that good a team. Um, but, you know, in that respect, it was, um, you know, you reap what you sow. But, now there's, you know, I think British fans are starting to understand. I think the penny's slowly dropping that. Actually, this is a tournament to be in, to be a part of. There's no shame in losing. These It's how our game's improving. We're learning more about it. Um, you know, but I've 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 banged that drum numerous times on this podcast, so uh, I'll, I'll carry on with that argument. The the sarcasm in me wants to make a comment about not banging a drum, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that one. Griff, I'll let you address. I'll let you take. The, you didn't really comment on Dave's question, so I'll let you take that, and then we'll, well, then we can move on to the contentious issue of the podcast. Well, the contentious issue. What would that be? But we'll come to that later. <laughs> what I was going to say though about the, the British well, British teams being in the European tournaments, I think it's just showing how much the league's improving over the years. And it's now showing, yeah, these are the teams we want to play each year because you're getting to see how you want our league to get to. I mean, I doubt we'll, the Elite League will probably get to the likes of the SHL or the DAL, but they can get to some good good highs. I mean, when you've seen like, yourselves or, or Bray at the time or... Nottingham beating teams in the DEL or NL, NLA or the, the Finnish League as well. It's just it's a great experience. And then, obviously, from a fan, even more, you get to travel to different countries to watch your actual domestic team, and not just if you travel to watch GB or whichever team you support in the international stage. It's, what more? What more could you want from a good, a nice trip away? You're watching good hockey. You're watching the team you, you follow. You're sampling I'd the distasteful uh, local alcohol. Not yeah. done that. Not done that once. No, no, no. not with those cardboard Carlsberg. Ugh. Never lost a flip flop. 
Never lost a flip-flop. No. Not at all. Um, we'll move on from the, the European side of things, from the, the, uh, the tournaments. Move back to uh, something a bit close to home, particularly for Dave and I. Um, the last weekend just gone. Um, there were some noise complaints in Sheffield, which has ruffled a few feathers. Um, and I, I just, I'm kind of lost for words on this one, which isn't necessarily a good thing to be talking about it on a podcast and be lost for words. But I, yeah, I, the, the Glasgow fans turned up to Sheffield on Sunday. Um, they didn't bring that many fans. They brought a decent showing for a Sunday night when they're coming down from Glasgow. Um, I'd say maybe 30, 40 fans. I'm not great at estimating that, so don't <laughs> give me too much grief if that's wrong. But, you know, they didn't bring, they brought a handful of fans down. It was a good showing for, say, for a Sunday night. Um, with them, they brought a few drums, uh, including one guy who had, I think, four snare drums on some kind of marching band um, holster. <laughs> and then, um, like, you know, the, the, the famous. 10, 11-year-old Glasgow fan who bangs the drum um, all game to his heart's content and a big bass drum. And the noise was was pretty outstanding all game. They created, you know, they, they went literally from, from the start of the game and they were carrying on after like the Glasgow players had gone off the ice. They still carried on and carried on. Um, and then, it, as I say, ruffled a few feathers. I've got to throw one thing in before I kind of go on to the point about drums. What is the need for four in that setup? I saw a photo uh, that Sack Fitzgerald shared on, on Twitter. And I, I pointed it out to Andy because we was, we was in Prague and I'm like, what's the need? Have a drum. Have about four or five different drums. But the guy like four drums and one, is he, is he like auditioning for Britain's Got Talent? I just don't get the need for that many on a set. Have about ten people with ten drums. I actually, I could get behind that. Um, but that one, that one guy with the floor. Sorry, I don't understand that. Not sure. I said to me, Dad, can you imagine what his back was like by the end of the game? He was literally stood all game, like jumping around and banging these drums. I just thought he must be wrecked by the end of the game. <laughs> must have been. See, so drumming done well is a good thing. Um, so a throwing experience that me and Andy had this weekend in Prague where they played um, Cladno. And they had, we was actually in the standing section where there were three or four drums who drum, drummed even regularly throughout the whole game. Um, but it went loud. Um, it went that bad, but it's consistent. Um, I'll just say one person uh, near us was asleep for most of the game uh, with that drumming constantly going on. Um, so, but it was it was timed. It was executed well. Drumming done well is a good thing for atmosphere. It brings it in. It works. If it's just a noise, it loses its benefit. It loses its purpose. Um, and in fairness, we've we've been at a game where Glasgow came down. There was one guy who had one of the big bass drums and just constantly going on. And I kind of felt that that was a bit losing its momentum. It loses its purpose. Um, but done right, it brings an atmosphere as well. The, the whole thing, obviously, again, not being there to see it or, or, or hear firsthand what was going off. It's all on social media. And uh, I feel like British hockey fans want the European experience in terms of atmosphere. 
but I don't think British hockey fans are, prepared, are ready for it. <laughs> are, are prepared, are prepared to put both feet in and just go with it. I guarantee you now, um, and I say Andy will, will back me up on this point in terms of the atmosphere that we experience in, in the game would blow 99.9% of British hockey fans' minds. Um, as it turned out, there was a couple of people I knew from Nottingham Rose at the game, and we were discussing it in, in one of the intervals, and we said the same. It's like, this is an atmosphere that we'd love to have on a regular basis. But British hockey fans, for whatever reason, would not be able to get behind it. I mean, one thing, celebrate goals with scarves. I've never seen anything so absolutely crazy in my life. Getting, you know, limb level as, as some, you know, celebration of goals. Absolutely going crazy in crackers. Using a scarf. And I'm just like, you are. Never, never seen anything like it. So, uh, I, I think, you know, we all want the atmosphere. We, we've, we now, because European hockey is now more accessible to us, we see it. We want a piece of it. I just don't think our fans as, as a country are ready for it. Probably agree with you on that. Obviously, most fans are probably not ready for it itself. I, four drums to himself. That's a, a kind of a, a weird one. I mean, do you think he is probably like what Joey Jordan in his old Slipknot days? Four drums. <laughs> Or even Lars from Metallica or something. Just someone. Yeah, I'm, I'm baffled by that. I mean, he's got to have, have like a, a back support on him at Summit though as well. If he's jumping about as well. To not get hurt. It's, I'm sure he's probably had a, a few refreshments to help him go through the, the game. Absolutely. I thought he was going to do a Joey Jordan and then get himself strapped on some kind of railing that was going to spin him round or something. <laughs> Maybe that's why he went up to the next the next block. Yeah, so so this is the part that's really ruffled feathers and the part that people really haven't taken too kindly to or or you know there was a there was a a tweet from the Glasgow clan fans to say that they've been asked to move to the upper section of the arena. Um, they've been moved to asked to move from 102 to 202, um, kind of you know a few rows down from mirroring where where Rock the Block sit. Um, and nobody seems to know who put the request in, who um, complained about the noise. Um, apparently, there were multiple complaints to the arena. It depends who you believe, because I've read about six million different things about this. The basic principle is some people didn't like the noise, some people threw the toys out the pram, and they got asked to move up. Um, one of the rumours was that Sean Smith had gone out with a decibel reader, read the noise, and asked them to move up, um, presumably to disperse the noise a little bit, as it's a little bit more open up there. I, I don't know. Um, Sean Smith came out on Facebook and said that that wasn't the case. Um, it wasn't him that did that. Uh, this, this just this just seems to be six million people being blamed, but nobody seems to actually be able to point to someone and say you were the one. Not not that it needs that, um, but I think the one thing that people seem to forget is they're at a live sporting event. Um, 
Now, from where we were sat, the drums sounded really, really good. I mean, there was some rhythm to it. It sounded decent. From where my, I know my mum, who sits on the other side of the arena to us, so was sat a few blocks along from the drums, said that it sounded a little bit more noise, more just like noise than anything rhythmic. It didn't seem to be any beat to it or anything like that. It just sounded like a, a wall of noise, um, which is, you know, it's, it's fair enough. It makes sense that it's going to travel a bit more over to us and it's not just going to sound like that to us across the, across the other side of the arena. Um, the part, the comment that made me laugh was somebody commented on Facebook to say they didn't see the point in it and it was pointless noise. All it did was drown us out and stop us from starting chants. Well, surely you've just summed up the main reason that they're doing it because the away team has managed to come with 30, 40 fans and drown out 5,000 home fans and stop them from starting a chant. Surely that reduces any home ice advantage straight away. Surely that's the point. <laughs> Absolutely. And if, if away fans have done that, then uh, advantage away team. Yeah, definitely. I have to say, I mean, my take on it was they, they added something to the atmosphere from we, where we were sat. Fair play to them all, because they literally banged from the first the first puck drop to the last. And as I say, they carried on when the Glasgow players had gone off. Like, fair play to them. And... Um, you know, just to just to add insult to injury, to add a bit of salt in the wound to the Steelers fans who weren't so taken by the noise, uh, the Steelers fans get put next to the Glasgow fans in the playoff allocation. Um, so I, for one, really hope that playoffs this year are allowing drums in because that will be hilarious. Oh, I can see the banter for that already. Oh God! Are we using banter in significant inverted commas right now? <laughs> Let's go with that, yeah, because you know it's going to be. Awful, you know it's gonna be rubbish. Oh, well, let me score points and take a photo, put it on social media, get the likes. That's got. Oh, I can't wait for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> I... In fairness, someone will probably bring in. Go on, Graf. I was gonna say someone will probably bring if actual drums are not in. Someone will probably bring in like a, a pie one. You could probably get. You could put it in like a hoodie or something. What like the time like the time years ago when a Steelers fan snuck a drum into the NIC? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should go to fancy dress and dress as drums. Can you imagine that? We all go as a different a different part of the drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Does anybody uh, else have any? Or a high hat? Does somebody go as the upper high hat and somebody goes the lower? Sure, why not? Sure. Uh, does anybody have anything else to add on Drumgate, or are we are we good? I'm good. I'm good. Fair play. Um, Gref, you just mentioned social media. And we know how much we love social media on this podcast. Um, it really is a great thing. And uh, one of the things that I really have to say uh, is really just poor on the social media front to say the least is that more and more people seem to find it acceptable to include themselves in in the players lives as much as physically possible which now apparently stems to private messaging players on twitter and instagram and the likes and and 
and things like that. And this stemmed from, I think, Nikolai Lemchigov put in a post about visiting the US embassy um, and people instantly presuming that he was leaving the club with immediate effect to the point where a number of fans messaged Lemchigov on Instagram to ask if he was leaving. Like, just is... <sighs> what point have we got to now where people just take it upon themselves to just randomly private message players. Are players not allowed any privacy or any anything away from the fan base now? I thought it was bad enough when fans were stopping players in Meadow Hall to get a picture. Now we're, now we're sliding into players' DMs to ask them questions as to what the plans are for next year. Just, honestly, it just wound me up to read that. I, I, I think the sliding into DMs is very much a... Uh if you believe the rumour mill is a two-way process, um, as a number of players do like to slide into fans' DMs. Um, but in terms of the generic point about... Um, we've all heard the rumours. Um, I oh, no, And not just the Fleetwood Mac kind. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think it is embarrassing, if I'm bluntly honest. Uh, and if anybody's offended by that, then, in my humble opinion... Private messages. Yeah, DM me. Tell me why. You know, I you know as much as I am all for if a player mentions a you know, good game and, and get that interaction and get a like and someone say oh well played, I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. But you know, do a bit of research, do a bit of thought. A Russian guy he wants to go to America. He needs a visa. You don't get them visas instantly. I think there's a, I think it's about a two three month. Um, processing time I think I'm going on when I looked sketchily about going to Moscow for, for a holiday and I think it's about two from that way so I'm assuming the same time scales are around I don't because I don't think Russia and America get on well at the moment uh, per se so um, let the guys be you know if by luck that you're walking past someone you get a photo they're happy to spend some of their private time to do a photo fine be grateful but don't go looking for it. Give the give the players, you know, chance to live a private life. You know, when you see comments like, oh, such and such players in Starbucks. Shock horror, human goes and buys a coffee. Are you sure? Such and such player has, has, has bought some brioche from Asda. Oh my God, what a crime. Hockey player doesn't go to Walmart. I mean, come on, guys. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, to be fair, the post would probably go more along the lines of just saw such and such a player buying brioche. I now have six cupboards with full of brioche. <laughs> probably. I, mean, I don't know why a hockey player would go out into Taylor's and go and buy brioche. Um, so I don't even know why I throw them. But, but that, you know, it could be any item in fairness. It's, I, I think social media, as much as it's good, as much as a lot of good that can be brought from it, has allowed a bad element of I can stalk a player, I can be part of their lives. No, don't. He's been brandished as fan interaction, which oh, is yeah. just ludicrous. I, I could give an example that would then be on the same level of fan interaction. Would it be appropriate for this podcast? Um, which would just demonstrate how it's not interaction. It is borderline stalking. Well, um, where do we draw the line? Well, you see, if the players are leaving at the end of the game, if I, if I just suddenly went and just jumped into the passenger seat of one of the cars and asked them for a lift home, is that fan interaction? Of course. Well, where, do, where do we draw the line? Why is it okay to personal message a player and ask, well, just, just 
oh, it really winds me up. I'm with you on that one, 100%. It is really annoying. I mean, if you like to jump in that car, maybe you just say, you're an Uber driver, right? And that's, that's, that's stupid for the, for the fun of it, even though you're wearing probably a Steelers jersey. Yeah. In a Steelers car from Uber. Yeah. I like it. I I have to say, I don't know. Uh, Greff, you you can probably answer this. I'm intrigued to see if it's other fan bases. Because we only really get the snapshot from within our own fan bases. Obviously, like, you know, we might be in groups or things like that on Facebook that are specifically tailored to certain fan bases. You don't really see it in, like, the Elite League banter pages and that kind of thing as much. I, I'm intrigued to see whether this goes on in other teams' internal groups and internal circles. I don't. I, I don't know whether it's just Steelers fans. I don't know whether it's others. I, I don't. I'm, it, it intrigues me as to whether it goes on to this extent in other fan bases. I've not really seen like one or oh, people going, "Oh my god, such and such is in as the buy-in orange juice." I had to get. 12 cartons of orange juice now. Smooth kind, obviously. Are we just presuming that players only go into shops for breakfast items? We've had brioche and orange juice. <laughs> well, they're not allowed to have bacon sausages as part of uh, nutritional diets to allow them to be peak athletes. Yeah, Joe. My bad. Sorry. So, uh... <laughs> There's no I more I can add to that. Better. Sorry. I have seen a few that post. Oh yeah, this person's in Dublin right now. It's like, yeah, you've looked at it. You looked at the picture he's posted on Instagram. That was from two weeks ago. He's not in Dublin anymore. Yeah, they're posting it while they're watching him play on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Quality. Did you know he has a doppelganger, and his doppelganger is in Dublin? Brilliant. No, I just thought I'd mention that because it, it wound me up to see. Um, it's good to it's good to hear that it's not just our fan base. Maybe maybe we should have it where we should have the um, the worst example of of, of player stalking. Maybe we should have it as like a weekly award. You know, services to stalking British hockey players. I don't know. I just it's yeah. I, it is. And you know what? Be excited about not being able to interact with you with you people on your team on social media but you know what draw a line be, be, be a bit like a decent human being I mean that's asking for much sometimes but you know yeah uh, the next thing I've got is playoffs um, Gref asked a question you would you propose this one Gref so I'll throw it over to you yeah it was more of a there's pretty much around 10 home games left for certain teams. I know the rest for, our, for ourselves. With the season coming pretty much, but we got like what, this month and next month and then like part of March. But I'm going to assume probably by, well, with the way things are going, March maybe the fact that we already know who's in the playoffs. But yeah, who would your guys be for making the playoffs? Not the final four, but you can add that in if you want to. (sighs) 
I don't know. I mean, right now, I'd probably say the two teams for me that wouldn't make that would be Manchester and Fife. I would. I'd have probably have my two teams not making the cut. I think I'd go with that. I think I'd go with that. I think uh, unless Dundee, you know, collapse in terms of form, you know, the byproduct of a 90s night um, and somehow Manchester find a way of making it, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I mean, even though I've just said we'll probably already find out before, well, towards the middle of March anyway, I, I kind of hope it goes down to like the last game, like it did last year. It would be good, but not for the teams involved, the fan base involved, if both the title and the playoff spots were on the, on the final day. Yeah, a proper Super Sunday type thing. Particularly given that it's Cardiff-Sheffield is, that, is the final game as well. Is... Yeah. You know, and potentially the night before, you know, Sheffield could knock Manchester out of the playoffs. Exactly. Or Manchester could prevent anything at the other end of the table. Who knows? This is true. Who what, what who do we think for the final four then? If we're on that front. Because I genuinely th- I think this year we could actually see for the first time in a while, Cardiff, Belfast, Nottingham, Sheffield. Yeah, I've Look at the table and farm-wise, yeah, I'd probably say that. I, I, even, I have a sneaky feeling Guildford may pull something out and get in. I think, Bel- I think Guildford need... We need to see the old Guildford for that to happen, though. Right now, the Guildford team is just not... They're not. They're not the Guildford team that we saw last year. They're not, but they, they you know, they make the top eight and they pull off two good results. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the bottom line. Is it's two games. It doesn't matter about as long as you finish in that top eight. It's two games. Yeah, it's anybody's game. I mean, eighth could beat first. You never, you don't know. So it's, I certainly wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. But I just, I just think we need to start seeing the Guildford of old come through a bit more for me to kind of see that as the end result. Yeah. Griff, any any thoughts? No, yeah, with that, yeah, with how Guildford play at the moment, I couldn't see them getting into the final four. Mm. But yeah, two two games. It's anyone, even after one game, the first leg, you could probably still see some teams coming back from it. Yeah, this is true. Um. The next thing, if we, unless anybody's got anything else on playoffs, the next thing uh, that I've got is predictions. So we're nearly at the uh, the end of the agenda. Um, Dave, you're writing these down again, aren't you? He's got his pad and pen ready. Yep. Uh, we go usual order. So we go Gref, Dave, me. Yep. Sound. Uh, first game, Saturday 18th. We got Manchester Fife in Manchester. I mean, I'm going to cause a few shocks here. Manchester. Oh my God. I'm going to join you now. 
Yeah, you got a full house on that one. I'm going to say Manchester. Um, Coventry Dundee in Coventry. Coventry Dundee, you see, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to say Dundee. I'm going Coventry. I'm with Dave. I'm going to go Coventry. Uh, Glasgow, Belfast in Glasgow. Belfast, Glasgow in Glasgow. Belfast. Yeah, Belfast. Yeah, I'm going to go Belfast. Uh, last game on that Saturday, Cardiff, Sheffield in Cardiff. Cardiff. All right, Joey Martin fan over there. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going to put the trend. We're actually going to get a win in Cardiff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going Sheffield. Again, I'm with you, Dave. I was going to say Sheffield. Almost. Um, yeah. Sunday 19th, we've got Sheffield Belfast in Sheffield. 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 Yeah, Sheffield for me. Dundee, Cardiff in Dundee. Cardiff. I'm going to go Dundee. I'd like to go Dundee. I'm going to go Cardiff. (laughs) Um, Five, Nottingham in five. Nottingham. Yeah, Nottingham. And Nottingham. And then Guildford, Coventry and Guildford. Guildford. Just repeat that face again, mate. So Guildford, Coventry in Guildford. Uh, and Grefford, Guildford, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go Guildford as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Guildford. That really confused me. I saw Guildford on one line and Nottingham on the other. That really, uh, yeah. And then the last game that we've got is Wednesday the 22nd, first leg of the semi semi-final for the Challenge Cup for Cardiff and Nottingham. That's Cardiff Nottingham in Cardiff. 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 Cardiff for me as well. Um. How did we do last week, Dave? How did we do last week? I need to find some paper. Um, so, let's see. One, two, three, Probably four, terrible. Six, I have to say, while Dave's counting, I'm significantly disappointed because the Penguins have gone from being up by a goal in the first 20 seconds to losing 2-1. Well, the Islanders have just uh, scored against the Rangers, so all's well with the world. Uh, right, so in um, reverse order, 6 out of 10, 60% is Gref. Um, 70%, both myself and you, Joe. Sound. And uh, Andy stunned last week. Nine out of ten. Ninety percent. Nine out of ten. 
good work from Andrew. I mean, we'll have to get his predictions, uh, see if we can keep up the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the trend, shall we yeah, call it? Unfortunately, this goes down as a 5 0 forfeit, so. It's a 10 0 forfeit. No, five, the YTF rules, it's 5 0. Very nice. Um, the last thing then, gents, that I have on the agenda is, well, usually we'd have Stafford stories, but unfortunately, um, Stafford can't be with us today. Um, so we have, uh, we, we have Dave taking over Stafford stories today. We've got Grant's gossip. Grant's gossip. So I suppose in, in ode to, um, the recent trip abroad, um, um, I suppose it's going down the line of. What you do and what happens when you travel watching your team, whether it's domestically or, or abroad, um, and the things that could go wrong. So, for example, um, now the, the the train network in Denmark is really good. It's efficient. It's 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 everything you want it to be, unless you forget your luggage. Now, one one time uh, heading to Herning, which is three hours from from Copenhagen, the the seats have gaps so that your luggage can go in um, and if it's fine you, you see it comfy, you're on a three hour train journey and you then completely forget and you kind of walking off and go, who's got the luggage? You've got it. So back and forth for half an hour I've realised that no one's picked up luggage. So you're thinking, oh, this piece of luggage is now going somewhere in Denmark. The unfortunate thing were for me was my clothing whilst commentating, because at the time I was, I was commentating for CNN Live, um, shirt, tie, and trousers was in the suitcase that was still on the train. So massive panic as I'm going to look. I've got the only clothing I had was a scruffy rugby top, uh, some jogging bottoms, and a pair of trainers. When they give us kind of a guideline of what to wear, I'm thinking, yeah, it's not going to work. Fair play to the Danish um, network. Within 45 minutes of reporting it, them pieces of luggage have actually returned. So if you ever hear stories about me leaving stuff, it's not the first time, won't be the last time. Um, but the things that happen when you when you uh, when you go abroad or domestically um, and you leave stuff. Um, so I'll throw it to you guys. Um, have you got any um, other stories or mishaps of when you leave stuff or things that could just go horribly wrong? Yeah, I'd probably say I, I could go one or two. Uh, probably one that I'll go with probably the trip to Budapest. I mean, got the accommodation paid for, ticket for. What am I missing? Oh, yeah. I had a passport until January. Three I'm months like, before. I'm like Casey Dismiss. Yep. I mean, it came in January, thankfully, whilst the tournament was in April. So, I always have a good amount of time. Could go with that one. And then, obviously, the trip to the last year, that was a, a wacky one. I mean, five and a half hours in the train. Stood up. I've tried, not, I've tried to forget about it, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's... It was... On a train that was like the film Euro Trip. 
it was an interesting trip to say the least. It, it started it off really, really well. I don't really, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have any um, touch wood. Are you trying to suggest that you are well organised, well drilled, uh, everything is according to plan, and nothing, nothing has gone wrong with your travels domestically and continentally watching the Steelers? I, nothing that springs to mind. That's the, um, that's the thing. I mean, we had them. Um, Jess and I went to Vegas, um, and this is not Steelers related or hockey travel related, but we went to Vegas um, a few years ago and um, transferred. On the way there, we we had a transfer in uh, in Atlanta. Um, however, the issue was the plane that we flew from Manchester in was that uh, was ninety minutes later than expected, and we only had something like a two hour layover in now uh, in Atlanta. Now, if you've ever been to the States, you'll know that passing through their customs is not exactly the easiest of things at times. Um, it's not particularly a well, well-oiled machine. <laughs> and no, you often not. end up standing in a queue for ages to input your details to then go and have a man look at your passport and read the details that you've just inputted on a computer. It just seems a bit pointless. Um, however, we're running through this airport in Atlanta. We've, we've managed to get through... Um, through customs, and we're running through the airport to get to the plane. We were, we were that annoying couple that is on the final call that has 12 final calls, I think, um, to the point where there was no room left on the plane. We couldn't put our hand luggage on the plane. It had to be checked. Um, so that made for a nice, stressful few hours, just to add on to something ridiculous, like a 28-hour travel day. Um, but yeah, other than that, I can't, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I've not, I've not left my hockey kit bag in Sheffield when I played a tournament in Cardiff. I, I've not left my sticks outside the rink, come back for a tournament the next day and found them still outside. Given that we're talking about watching hockey, not playing hockey, um, they are invalid entries to this discussion. Um, we'll have that known. Um, but what, is, I gonna, what, what, what I was going to say was... Well, was to disregard well, the evidence, isn't it? I, it's still taking like, to account. I've picked a piece of paper, I've thrown it in the bin, and you can go to hell. Um, I understand what you're saying about the... Um, bit rude. The, oh, well, you know, you're very welcome. Um, Again, the, wrong podcast. <laughs> I wasn't even saying the podcast, I was just saying the name. Um, about the US... Um, customs especially when you, you're waiting for people to do the fingerprints and, and you're bursting for the toilet and that's just the worst feeling ever it's like you just want to scream just get out of the way because you can't go for you can't go past it because it's all shut off and everything painful horrible experience it's one of those things as well isn't it the, the line moves quite quick but there's that many people in it that it's not even one where you can duck out of the line to go to the toilet because then it's going to take you three hours to find where the rest of the people are in the line that you've just jumped out of to yeah. rejoin the line. Oh, it's, um, yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's when you see a family of 17, it's like, come on, guys, can you just let us go first? Because I'm, I'm going to make a mess on the floor and we don't want that. Yeah, I've been on a flight for nine hours and it's just painful. Yeah. See, it brings a new meaning to nothing to declare, doesn't it? Do you have exactly. anything to declare? I really need the toilet. <laughs> uh, indeed, um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I think that's about it, gents. I don't I think we've got anything else to add. Um, so, yeah. Um, Dave, thank you very much, sir. 
Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Graf. Thank you to everyone who listened. And um, if you want to get in touch with us uh, through the normal social media channels um, at MFZ Podcast or on Facebook, My Fancy and Bernie Podcast, I thought I'd do it for you this time, Joe. Thank you very much. I was just going to say, you're stealing my job there, mate. Well, you know. Um, yeah, ask us questions. We've not we've not asked for questions for a few weeks. I think we've had that much to talk about on the podcast ourselves. I don't think we've really had much 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 time for questions, but I think we're going to start to probably have more time now. So, you've got any questions? Feel free to reach out and, and ask on the on the platforms that Dave has just noted. Um, but yes, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Griff. The thank two you for having there. me, Joe. Oh, as always. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you to Dave and anyone that's managed to get to this point. As well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you very much from me as well uh, for another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.